High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Time now for the Hook Health Checkup with Dr. Kira Kelly. Send your questions by text uh, to 53106. Kira Kelly, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much, George. Yeah, Doctor, um, the questions are getting increasingly medical. I'm sure this is a great disappointment to you in the health slot <laughs> that they would do. Well, yeah, because I can't, I can't even read that stuff that's coming in. So, um, although I'll do a couple that I might be uh, okay. interested in. Is there any, David in Wexford, whiskey nose, you know, I presume. Oh, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. It says uh, capillaries and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of know what he's talking about, I think, when you say it like that. It's quite descriptive, isn't it? You see the yeah. older man with a broad nose, a bit red yeah. or a bit purple, a bit swollen. And he probably might be a bit of a drinker. But it's not just the whiskey that causes it. Those big, swollen, bulbous, purpley red noses are generally acne rosacea. Um, and there are clinics now. It's a place in Black Rock. I had the lady on the radio, would you believe? Uh, Derma Clinic. And, and, and she was telling me she can actually take those things away. Well, well, what a lot of men will do who have that sort of nose, well, if, if they are bothered to treat it or if they even have a notion that it could be treated, which it can, they can go on a long-term antibiotic and that'll take it down. Or if that doesn't work, you might have heard of this drug, George, and you're going to give out to me now. But anyway, Roaccutane, which is used for acne for teenagers and stuff. I'm to a mental asylum within about it's, a fortnight. That's a gross over, overstatement. There are huge difficulties with that thing. I have lots of patients who've been on Roaccutane over the years and I've never had one patient who've had any oh, significant but problems you're with happy, it. you're perfectly happy to over-prescribe penicillin for some fella's nose. Okay. If you have a big red bulbous nose and it's very bothering, very much bothersome to you, we have treatments I'll for it. To a I'm going to bypass you and just go straight to the listeners. We do have treatments, people, and we can actually help oh, you with this, despite what George is saying. And you don't have to feel bad about taking penicillin if you'd like us to treat your nose. All right. What about Jerry's got folliculitis on the scalp? What's that? Folliculitis is where you have your, your hair follicles. You know the way your, each of your hair is kind of implanted into, yeah. your, into your skin? And so it comes out of a little hole. The follicle is, is the hair in the hole. That, that's the follicular unit. And sometimes people do get sort of swelling and infection. So you might see red, spotty, sometimes even septic, little yellow heads, kind of follicular infections. People often get it around the hair on their thighs right. or their what groin. What are we doing with this? Well, if we don't need an antibiotic, if it's not that bad, we will use a, a cream sometimes, a topical cream. We will wash the skin and keep the skin very clean and we will use creams that have antiseptic or antibiotic in the cream. If it's very bad, you might need an antibiotic. All right. We can treat it. It's not too bad. All right. Okay. Don't see a doctor. Now, on Friday, you were telling women, uh, old age pensioner women, to uh, have babies together with their pension book. Well, I'm not going there. But uh, I love uh, when you throw these things at me and then I'm not allowed to retort. Yeah. That's what Marie, that is. Marie said, Marie says, is it normal to have aches in my limbs at 53? Yes, you're 53. Oh, I know Kira wants you to have a baby, but you're 53. <laughs> No. Just thinking of me and Marie, me no, trying to persuade Marie to have a baby. 53. Postmenopausal, and I would guess Marie is postmenopausal because oh. the average age of the menopause is 51. Postmenopausally, women will always complain of a, of a change in their body that results in aches and pains. And it, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily last forever, but particularly in the maybe 12 to 24 months so what after are you going the to onset. Give her? Well, she'll probably take a bit of paracetamol and keep active and all oh, that so kind of stuff. Oh, so like me, you're not exactly 
sort of suggesting dial 999, get an ambulance, which is your usual performance in these matters. I'm really glad people have actually heard this slot before, so they might know that that is not my usual. Um, yes, I would suggest Take that you... Take a bit of paracetamol. Paracetamol, and it isn't, it isn't uncommon. Right. Now, if, it's, if it's really bad, or if it's arthritic pain, or if it's so severe that you can't move or that you might need to... Because there is a condition called polymyalgia rheumatica where you get loads of aches and pains, no, no, and it's a condition. It, sorry. I, I'm, I'm not suggesting there aren't occasions where you dial 999 for an ambulance. But aches and pains in a 50, 60, yeah. 70 year old go with the territory. They do, sadly, yes. And, and what I think is increasingly happening because we are better at pain management now than we were we, 20 we are. years ago. I, I'd like to think, yeah. That people think. They don't have to have pain. You know, because you go to the dentist now and there's no pain. When I went to the dentist, I put his knee in your chest and yanked it out. (laughs) He tied your tooth to the door handle and closed the door. No, but the point they're trying to make is that previous generations learned to live with pain. Yeah, I do think though a bit of paracetamol, which is generally side effect free and takes the edge off most pain, is a great idea for people if they have chronic pain like this. Well, now, this is a really tough question, and I'm not going to say another word after I read out the question. Okay. Because it's from a GP trainee, a okay. doctor. Okay. With mental health problems. Okay. They're on Lexapro mm-hmm. and Olanzapine. Okay. They missed three months of work last year because of a relapse. They haven't slept in weeks. He he, he, he wants to access help, but he's obviously afraid of losing his job. Now, it's a really tough call. I I know that there isn't that many people going to be affected by this, but we're going to talk specifically to this person. But bear in mind, there isn't that many people affected by any of the one conditions we talk about. It is extraordinarily difficult as a doctor to access healthcare for yourself because you, you, you feel the fear of the lack of confidentiality. You fear the judgment of your peers. You fear it will affect your career. And that's more so the case when you have mental health difficulties. And it's extraordinarily difficult. And I myself have colleagues I know who've been in this boat and it has been a very tough road. What I would say to this GP, first of all, is there is the Sick Doctor Scheme. The Sick Doctor Scheme is run through the ICGP, the Irish College of General Practitioners, and he needs to pick up the phone and it is confidential. And there are doctors who will see other doctors and you can be assured, first of all, of their confidentiality and they're, they're comfortable about, t- you know, you know um, treating other doctors because not all doctors are. If he wants to contact me directly, George, he can email you and you'll pass on his details. Yeah. He can be assured if he does contact me directly, it will go or no me. further or you. Yeah. But, but I think if he's on, which he is, he's on an antidepressant, he's on an antipsychotic, he's clearly a very unwell young man. He needs help. And he might need, you know what, a time out from work for a while. Big but deal. He's Big deal. Of being, in medicine, it's a bit like being a rat in a wheel sometimes. They draw, it's, it's almost okay. brutal, the training. It's almost militaristic, the training. And he needs help and maybe a time right. out. And there is help there. And he needs to look after himself before he's able to look after anybody else. And that's who he should be looking well, after now. that would be fair. I oh, mean, God, yeah. In order to look after others. We're no different than anybody else. Doctors have the same problems as other people. They just actually try and hide them even more. And they have a sense of being God, doctor. <laughs> well, I'm not sure this well, young man does, so let's no, not go no, there. No, just you. Just, just you. me. Now, a goddess, surely. Elizabeth wants me to ask the doc, that's you, about stomach problems. Last two years, including, but not at the same time, cramps, lasting all day, uh, diarrhea, vomiting, occurs every four or five weeks. Now, time for the 999, the ambulance call. 
We, time we, for a colonoscopy, time for an yeah. endoscopy. And not necessarily 999, but a visit to the GP and a referral for scopes. So a camera up and a camera down, and she needs them now. We, need, we don't know why this woman is having right. uh, recurrent vomiting, recurrent diarrhoea, and maybe there's, it's something and nothing, but it certainly needs investigation. And these, these tests are not nearly as scary or bothersome no, as people I, think. Yeah, but I don't want to stop anybody writing into us. Do you know what I mean? And like Elizabeth writes in. But here's a classic example of where the non-expert, like me, says, go to a doctor. Yeah. Because this is natural. No, it's not. It's, it's like not. having a baby at 64. It's not natural. Um, Sighs heavily into microphone. What are Bartolin cysts? Bartolin cysts are cysts around the genital area. What, what, tell me the full question. Well, 31, no kids, have had two Bartolin cyst surgeries in the last six years on the same side, flared up again. Got it lanced, now on antibiotics. So should it be something more sinister, no? No, but here's the thing, and we don't know, because I, I, Bartolin cysts are like carbuncles. Do you know what I mean, George? Yeah. Like a boil or whatever. People get them around the vulva. But you, anyway, but the point is this. There is a condition called epidermis hypotidiformis. Oh, so I can't even say that properly. But anyway, there, there are conditions, right, that cause you to get recurrent carbuncles at your groin, at your armpit and those kind of things. They're constantly misdiagnosed by doctors who, who just give you antibiotics while you have the thing when actually you need to be on something that modifies your immune system a little bit and it needs to be treated with the kind of uh, drugs that other autoimmune conditions well, are treated with. Well, that's interesting you talk about immune because he also mentions he got the flu recently and he's wasted as a result. So we could have immune problems like... Well, well, I, I think this is someone who should just go and, and have a chat and uh, talk to the doctor about whether or not certainly if they're recurrent because the surgeries leave scars. Do you know what I mean? You have a scar in the area. These areas are, are, are areas that, that are prone to infection. They are hair producing areas and so you get scarring and you get difficulties and it can be really really difficult yeah. people get these kinds of conditions these carbuncle type conditions on okay. their backside and their armpits and their groin and they're they're not nice for people to have so but there are dermatologists who specialize in this and if you're having recurrent problems like this i think that they probably need a specialist involvement razor blade like no there's a great moment no. in the movie zulu where your man is a bit of a waster in the hospital and he has one that he cysts and the doctor takes great pleasure in lancing it without uh, anesthetic anesthetic yeah. and guess what does the, the waster's name was Don't. hook <laughs> <laughs> distant he was a relation exactly relative now uh, here's another one like I, I I don't really want to get involved, but like he's he's he's, he's a male. Okay. He's thirty two. Yeah. He's terrified. Okay. It's every reason to be terrified. So stop writing to us. Get on the road to the dock because he's healthy. He's been urinating blood for more than six months. Okay. There's all sorts of reasons. No, re- there's other stuff he's telling me. There's all sorts of reasons why you might why you why you might pass blood. Lots of different reasons. We could list them, but I'm not sure it's worth doing. He absolutely he needs a scope as well. He needs to have someone look inside the penis, the bladder, all the way up to the kidneys, all that stuff. We need to find out where he's bleeding from and why he's bleeding. Is this where you put a camera up there? Yeah, but you're asleep. Oh yeah. Don't all be right. don't be worrying. I see George has actually crossed his legs in the studio. <laughs> this, uh, whoever you are, please take George and my advice on board. You need a referral to a urologist. This needs Absolutely. to be investigated now. And, no, yeah. and, and, and it's not a... But, but see, what worries me, he's terrified. He's writing to us 
And and like we're understanding. Okay, well, let, but he has this for six months. Let's Karen. give you a bit of reassurance. You could have something as simple as joggers hematuria, where the urine crystals jump around and hit off and nick the because inside of your been bladder because you've been. So you could have something that's something and nothing. So don't be terrified. But we need to find out. And here's the thing: if you do have something wrong with you, the investigation isn't going to change that. It's just going to give us an opportunity to treat it. Okay. Okay. A lot of people I know, for instance, uh, uh, when they went to the bathroom, they actually had the first signs of prostate cancer and they did nothing about it. Now, yeah. uh, what I'm trying to do here is to say to people, if the first sign is something, you have a great chance if you get to it early. Yeah. Don't be hanging around. But in that At his re- age, you know, he's unlikely to have prostate cancer, no, but I'm we not still need he. to know what he does have. Correct. And we don't yeah, know. And, and he must, this guy must go and see a urologist. I, right. Did you see the madness of King George? Where they were always looking at the stools. Yeah. And they ignored the fact that his wee was blue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to ask you, was there any... Uh, medical uh, sense to looking at a stool. No, it's because what about different colorations? What about if it's black or... Well, yeah, you're, you're, that's a good question. A black stool can reflect something and nothing like you drank too much Guinness or red wine, but equally black stool can mean that you've been bleeding from your upper bowel. So if you bleed from your lower bowel, it'll be bright red. But if you bleed from your upper bowel, like your stomach, for example, by the time it gets to your back passage, it's gone black so it could be that Holy um, shit What's the name of your surgery? Carry Clinic I better go down We need to talk do we? We do Okay Black, black But taking iron nice. taking iron will, will make your stools go black as well so you ta- spoil my entire Monday Yet again What about red itchy eyes on the nature old? Uh, probably hay fever probably allergic red itchy eyes don't be worrying about it uh, probably a bit of antihistamine bit of Zyrtex suspension antihistamine suspension, suspension? Uh, liquid sorry doctor talk liquid what you mean hang the child from the <laughs> ceiling give them a spoonful of antihistamine alright but now here's one because genetics are crucial oh yeah? yeah completely I used to know the professor of genetics in Trinity um, but anyway the mother has a pacemaker okay, because she had heart problems. Now the seven-year-old is getting chest pains. Genetic? Okay. Well, look, we don't have any idea if the chest pains that the child is getting is related to, to heart things at all. So I wouldn't like to say that. I do think if your child's getting chest pain, you would want to get at least at a baseline an ECG and stuff like that. And there is actually a walk-in ECG clinic that you can go with a referral from your GP. I think it's on Friday mornings in Crumlin if you're in Dublin. But there certainly is access to ECG for children as well. Um, And this, you know, probably needs to be investigated, but we wouldn't be presuming chest pain is cardiac because it's often not. It's often lungs or a bruised rib or all sorts of things. Growing pains or anything. You, you, You don't know. Well, if your heart is the same, different question, same, different person. But like somebody's heart has been checked yeah. and they're fine. Yeah. And now they're getting the pain in their chest every now and again. They've been told it's anxiety. It is anxiety. <laughs> it probably is anxiety. Chest pain as a symptom of anxiety is actually very common. It's a very common one. But also if you go and you get an ECG, as clearly the listener did, you're told you're okay. If, you, if your heart has been outruled by, by, by proper investigation as you know, as outruled that you've had a problem with it, right. then I wouldn't be too worried about your heart. But there's this pregnant lady, 19, she's not 64, she hasn't given me her age, right? Okay. 
I thought you the said reason n- I mentioned there this thing. The reason I mentioned this thing is that a huge row with Kira on Friday, <laughs> and which she says some woman at 64 is right to have a baby. Horseman, you But anyway, she's looking for a deep massage to her shoulder and neck. And she thinks she can't have it because she's pregnant. Is that right? No, generally speaking, uh, massage is okay in pregnancy. Um, so Except that, you don't get your stomach massage. Well, you wouldn't, no, but she wants a neck massage. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that shouldn't necessarily be of any real consequence. You know, it shouldn't cause her any difficulties. This fella, I presume it's a fella, but not necessarily. Exercising four days a week. Okay. Has now joined the nutcases, has decided to be a vegan, right? I hear you. But the scales aren't budging. Still three stone overweight. That's interesting, isn't it? Because then what he needs to look at is volume of what he's eating, because if he's eating huge quantities of vegan food, that'll still be a problem. Um, And then maybe he might need something like a blood test to make sure he doesn't have an underactive thyroid or one of those conditions that prevent him from losing weight. Why do you always go for the like disaster for the, scenario. For, for the, it's not really a disaster, it's George. It's the Titanic. It's really not. Um, why do I always go for the possible diagnoses that he might actually have? Yeah, it's just something to do with, the, with being a doctor, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder what this segment would be like if you weren't here and I was doing it on my own. I often wonder what the segment would be like if you had a doctor that wasn't me. I, I don't no, know if anyone else could cope no, with you. First of all, He's loony being a vegan. First of all, forget. I'm not being a fan a vegan. of veganism no, myself, right. but that's you know personal but, choice and all but, that. Given that you said to somebody, emailed them the doctor who had a problem. Yeah. If this fella and or lady emails me, okay. I guarantee I'll make the the uh, the scales move. How? Bounty bars. Oh, the ca- I'll t- look Catholic at the, diet. I, collations. The Catholic diet. And I look at their exercise plan. All right. George is going to take you on and he's going to give you his own operation transformation. He can't say fairer than that. No, there is a point. Don't you agree? Muscle weighs heavier than fat. So you could actually be doing a good job on your body, but the scales might move. Well, that's agree? true. No, that's true. Muscle is much denser than fat. Right. So, so yes. That, no, that's thank true. You. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you. Okay. Thank you. Now, here's another dozy text, right? I love how you insult the listeners, George. I don't know why anyone listens to you, to be honest. Ronan, right? (laughs) What can be done to boost energy levels? I'm a man, mid-twenties, and healthy. Ronan, one, you're a man, which is a fantastic thing. Two, you're in your mid-twenties, which is fantastic. Three, you're healthy, which is fantastic. Stop worrying about energy levels. Yeah, the only thing I would say that might increase his energy levels is taking a bit of exercise because exercise is a wonderful thing for expending energy but also giving you energy yeah. back. So if you're sitting on the couch all day playing Xbox, right. that's dial, not good. Dial 999, get an ambulance, say you want to increase your I energy to levels put up with and so you much want here. an antihistamine and a topical steroid cream uh, put on the end of your nose and your, uh. your head. It's, uh, what is it? It's the Hook Health Checkup. <laughs> uh, the text number is 53106, cost 30 cents. They're normally screened before would they give them uh, to Gary Kelly. The best text will receive a free tube of a topical steroid cream.